Greetings, greetings, folks, and welcome back to The Africanist. I am your host, Bomba, and today we have another special episode. As you may know, recently, Senegal has been experiencing political and social upheaval related to the trials of opposition leader Usman Sonko, but also to the upcoming presidential election and whether the current president, Macky Sall, will run for a third term or not. On top of that, we have other protest movements related to uh, the inhabitants of a small fishing village in Dakar called Ngor. And unfortunately, a couple of days ago, uh, somebody lost their life in um, very disturbing circumstances. And to talk about all of that today, I have the pleasure to welcome Borsotal. And Borsotal is a freelance journalist based in Dakar, Senegal. She previously worked as a news assistant for the Washington Post West Africa Bureau. She has been also affiliated with the International Women's Media Foundation since 2021 and is a Shevening Scholar and an alumnus of uh, Mandela Washington Fellowship. More importantly, Borsotal is on the ground covering the protest, but also has been doing so for quite a while. So she is the perfect guest today to talk about the current sociopolitical turmoil in Senegal. Borso, welcome to the Africanist podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Bomba. Hello, everyone. Uh, happy to be here and to share with you some thoughts about what's going on in Senegal, particularly in Dakar most recently. Excellent. So the country is going through an unprecedented social, political and legal turmoil, as I said mm -hmm. earlier, related to the upcoming presidential election, the trials of Usman Sonko won for defamation we'll talk more about that and the and an upcoming one for uh rape accusations and death threats accusations last week we also have the situation in Ngor. can you describe the situation in dakar in the past few days what is happening there okay uh, we are now talking about the past few days, but what's been going on in Ga, which is, like you say, a small village, uh, a fisherman village mostly, is been ha has been happening for the past month or so. So it's been a few weeks rather than a few days uh, that the entire village uh, is shut down. Um, people uh, are barely able to come in and out of the village, uh, and it's just escalated to more anger and frustration. Uh, and it has a background story with that. Uh, but overall in Dakar altogether, I should say, Dakar has been going through anxiety uh, and fear, uh, psychosis even, if I should say. Because every time uh, the police or the for security forces come out in, in mass, uh, everything shuts down. So businesses, schools, um, no one wants to go to work. Uh, everybody's just waiting for something to happen. 
So that sort of uh, fear that comes with um, all that's been going on is still very heavy on people. And people are traumatized. They're traumatized by events um, way back. It's not even what happened last week or the week before. Uh, they are traumatized by events from March of 2021. We will come back to that. Um, and just everything in this country is upside down right now uh, because of the elections coming up, because of the trial of Sonko and the situation in Goth. Uh, and that is the last event that's been uh, taken, that's been taking all the news in Senegal and across the region and even internationally. So Ngo is a, a very small village where at the very beginning, it's not even a question of politics at all. It's a question of land. Uh, fishermen of Ngo village is owned by the Lebu and the Lebu are like uh, fishermen uh, and they are mostly, historically speaking, uh, the very first population that settled in Dakar and around, uh, around what we call the Presqu'île of, of Dakar. So they are fishermen, they have a lot of land, and by generation, this land has been in their hands uh, mm -hmm. for, for, you know, over and over by family, generation over generation. Mm -hmm. And um, I was in Gogh uh, last Tuesday, uh, last, this, this week, actually, mm -hmm. uh, to find out what's the core reason why the police forces are uh, in mass over there and what's actually happening. Uh, so it's a, not a question of politics, it's a question of land. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a, a piece of land uh, that's uh, needed, I should say, by the uh, ministry in charge of uh, police and gendarmerie and security forces. Minister de l'Intérieur? The Minister, Minister of, yeah, of Interior Affairs. Exactly. So, mm -hmm. yes, Interior Affairs, if I should say. Uh, so the Ministry of Interior Affairs needs a piece of land to build a new gendarmerie. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people may not understand is that right now, as we speak, there is no gendarmerie station in Gore. It's closed. It's been closed because the owner of the house where it was established, needs the house mm -hmm. for renovation, probably, you know, if for any other reason, renting or anything else. And there is no gendarmerie. Mm. For that reason, the minister of, uh, of the Ministry of Interior Affairs needs a new piece of land to build its own uh, space mm -hmm. for gendarmerie. Now, the place that they chose and they discussed it with the leaders, the community leaders, is a place that was initially a promised for a school and other facilities. Mm -hmm. So when the population realized that this land is about to be given to the Ministry of Interior or to the government altogether mm -hmm. to build a gendarmerie, they said no. Yeah. Because it was promised to belong to a school. It was promised to belong to any other facility for public services. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for a gendarmerie to be on site. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all began. So between the population saying, we do not want this space to be used uh, for the building of a gendarmerie, mm -hmm. and the gendarmerie or the, 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 the officials at the Ministry of uh, Interior Affairs saying we need this space so that we can build a gendarmerie which will cover not only the Ngor area but the entire area surrounding Ngor because Ngor is in the middle of virage which leads us to Yoff 
for mm-hmm. Senegalese people who know, mm-hmm. and is also in the middle between Almadi leading to Mamel, where there is an army station, mm-hmm. all the way to the university, uh, which is also very prone to um, you know um, manifestations or mm-hmm. any other rallies if anything happens in in, in Dakar or in the country, uh, yeah. all the way to the city center where the presidential palace is. And in between that is the house where Macky Sall, the president, lives. So you see, geographically speaking, uh, mm. it could be a very strategic place where uh, the gendarmerie, when built with latest you know, technologies, anything that will help them cover bigger areas, that is a good strategic place where they will be established. So, Except that the village says no. To recap, uh-huh. the government wants to build on the piece of land, a police station or a gendarmerie, as we call it. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the inhabitants of Ngor uh, slated that space for a high school. Mm-hmm. Ngor does not have a high school, if I'm correct, right? They don't have a high school. Uh, or do they? Well, they have CM. That's what we call CM in, in, in French. Yeah, middle school. They can school, have an yeah. early high school. Middle school, exactly. That's what yeah. it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not the high school at the level that they want. Exactly. At any rate, mm-hmm. at any rate the population of Ngor does not want the police station. that much land to be given just for the building of a police station, period. Okay. That's what I understand people when I talk to them. That's mm-hmm. what they said. They cannot understand how so much land can be given for the building of a police station. Yeah. And when the fights happened, we will come back to it. We will see how mm-hmm. the government tried to compromise and divide the land and how it ended between the decision that was taken by the leaders of the community mm-hmm. and in, initially by the leaders and finally by the population and where mm-hmm. all this will take us to. So, okay. um, so basically, Dakar right now is anxiety, psychosis, fear, just an atmosphere of, uh, of um, heaviness on people yeah. and of, of a, a sort of trauma Mm-hmm. Uh, which takes us back to events before what just happened this week, mm-hmm. all the way to March. Yeah, March 2021. 2021 when exactly. that's when Usman Sonko uh, was exactly. arrested for disorderly conduct and exactly. jailed for five what days, which yeah, uh-huh. which thrust caused the country death. into yes. a five day uprising and caused the death exactly. of 14, uh-huh. 14 innocent <laughs> yes. young men. And, you know, we, we need to honor the lives of those exactly. people because mm-hmm. since then, there has not mm-hmm. been any investigation. Many mm-hmm. of those people are like kids, 12. I think mm-hmm. the youngest was mm-hmm. 12, from 12 mm-hmm. to 35 or something like that. I'm going to say their names here on this mm-hmm. podcast for people to hear mm-hmm. and to honor them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they were fighting for democracy and an and equitable justice system. And mm-hmm. since then, nothing happened to investigate their death. Sénégal, 
Assagaru Prezi, Apranti Gorgi, Mbadu Payu Tassi Topon Senghor Nyojiti Riumi, Walandausi. Ai arrivist au pouvoir, tel faillir c'est le devoir. Ngourgu Fenayan, Nyak Vision, Gashi Permanent, Du Solution, Du Balai, Anna Société Civile Bounyo Kaze au Palais, Bataille électorale bi transhumé, Bataille amour rupture, Bataille nigi dundu coupure, Kourang, Agndor, Réumitak, Bagnotgor, Patmi Fever, Nyang Missor, Diplômé chômé, à quand le sérieux? Now, I want to come back to the situation in Ngor. So oh. the piece of land that we're talking about, it's uh, 6,000 square meter. We're talking about a large piece of land. Very large. Very large. I don't uh -huh. think of any police station in Senegal, not the one in Bidouai or Passel, mm -hmm. which is oh. not that big. So it makes no sense for the mm -hmm. government to take mm -hmm. that much land. And we know, like Ngor, Ngor, Almadi, you know, you have that area is close to the Atlantic mm -hmm. Ocean and it's very coveted by rich mm -hmm. people and, exactly. and companies. And, you know, mm -hmm. for instance, the U.S. Embassy is located close mm -hmm. by in the mm -hmm. Almadis, right? So it's a land that most of the time benefit rich and wealthy people and, and foreigners. The local population most of the time do not have access to, to their land. Now, uh -huh. unfortunately, there are reports of people who lost their lives. I mean, we know for sure that a young girl, she was 15, named uh -huh. Aji, uh, lost her life. Can you tell us more about the circumstances of her uh -huh. death and uh -huh. the official communique of the government? It is a very complicated situation. But before I come back to it, you mentioned how uh, the uh, police station is at a strategic place. We mentioned mm -hmm. that a little, just a little bit earlier, but I need to add something else. Uh, remember that Ngor is a very in the middle of everything. Ngor mm -hmm. is in the middle of uh, where uh, is is like in the middle of Almadi and mm -hmm. Viraj, which are two very rich areas where a lot of NGOs, a lot of uh, uh, international representations uh, are established. Okay, when the children of Ngor are on strike, they tend to go towards Mamel. Mm -hmm. But they will stop at Mamel, which is right before uh, any other roundabouts that will take you to the university, to Marmoz, where Makisal lives. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they're having difficulty when they arrive at Mamel is because Mamel is in between, the, uh, is next to an army station. Mm. which makes it harder for them 
and it's it's even more dangerous because if they push through, they could be facing army resistance, like bullets and stuff. Well, I will not uh, I will not go that far to mm -hmm. avoid uh, misinterpreting the intention yes. of the army uh, mm -hmm. because recently they they took out a communique a notification saying uh, to avoid taking anything related to the army and attach it to politics and yes. that they are detaching themselves from any political activity or any political decision making which mm -hmm. makes them the army that we we've always known about a republican so it's very army hard to say, mm -hmm. a republican army which makes it very complicated because now you cannot say the army will do this when the children will come closer but last time that an uprising happened before this big event of uh, last week of this week mm -hmm. uh, the kids of ngoh or the kids of Yof and all the pro, pro protesters literally stopped at the bus stop in Mamay. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that means a lot, because after that is the army station. And after that is another two roundabouts before you reach, or three roundabouts before you reach, and the president's house, not the palace, the house where he lives, and the university towards the city center. Yeah. So it's a very uh, sensitive area which could be used as an argument as to why uh, maybe in order to protect all that or all that uh, uh, image of Senegal in, uh, in, 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 in the world, how they can just um, uh, have a bigger and more developed police station in Goa. Mm -hmm. You understand? Uh, okay. So there are only two doors to Goa, which is mm -hmm. again Almadi and Virage. And that's why it's closed when something happens. That's why they circle it when something happens. And that's what happened this week. And you also mentioned something very important, saying the reason that uh, 14 children or 14 young people uh, were murdered without anyone even remembering their names, if we are not careful, uh, no justice. And that is the very reason why I went to Ngoh personally, to search for the family of Aji Jallo, mm -hmm. the young person who was said to have been killed by the security forces mm -hmm. and that's what took me to go so it was uh i i knew that it was a circled area i knew it was uh quite a dangerous place for journalists because we should say it a local journalist had a hard time entering uh the space as well as foreign press but ultimately they had the chance to do so i personally went there as a freelancer but also in a more social way I just mm -hmm. went through as any citizen going through. And as I got closer, then I started searching for the family where Ajijanlu lived. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why by word to mouth, by, you know, step by step all day long, I was able to interview people. I went to the market, talked to women, um, realized the hardships they were going through because of the strikes, how mm -hmm. they were not selling uh, their things. Uh, this woman uh, was not, was just, I found her putting fish back in the freezer because mm -hmm. she wasn't able to sell anything, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's a mother of many, uh, and she's taking care of uh, a lot of members of her family. So can you imagine the economic consequences of not selling mm -hmm. uh, in her life and the life of those she cares for? Another woman had started to sell in the morning of the strike, uh, in the last strike, the day that Aji got killed. She had started to sell when everything happened around 2 p.m. And uh, all the people who, were, who had already taken the order had all fled. They all left and no one came to pay her back. 
except a few people mm-hmm. the next day. You see what I mean? So these are women who lose money. These are women who lose their jobs uh, simply because there's a there's a uprising going on. I went to Aji's family and I found the family. And it was right at the time when the mother was receiving people for the condolences. And again, I was there to report as a freelancer, but I was there as a human being. So I sat with her and I listened to her. And it was not an easy moment. Mm-hmm. It was not an easy moment. So Aji was uh, the government. There are two narratives. One narrative is the official one from the government saying that they found a 14 to 15, 16 year old at sea. Okay. Uh, And they pulled her out, uh, uh, not living. Uh, And they found out of the ocean, uh, like, right? Out of the ocean. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Out of the ocean. And they found uh, a wound on her head which you could make them think that it was from uh, an elise the boats uh, you know the pirogues um yeah motor. from the motor of a of a pirogue of a, pirogue, of a fishing yes. pirogue yeah of a, a fishing pirogue on that day there was no fishing pirogue around working so when i saw the note i said to myself okay go find out more and go search and find the family and hear what they have to say so I went, like I said, uh, did, did little by little, step by step, talked to so many people until I was able to find the exact house where Aji lived with her mother and her sisters and brother. So a lot of people, and I got the chance to talk to the mother, mm-hmm. her older sister, and I even had the chance to, I, I, well, <laughs> I can't say everything right now, simply because Mm-hmm. There is a, uh, it's, it's um, the autopsy results yes. are not out yet. So I cannot say exactly what I heard there uh, when I haven't uh, heard what the autopsy says. But from the first notification, from the first communique that the government um, uh, wrote about this situation is that Aji might have been killed, wounded by a pirogue's motor, which is not true. Mm-hmm. From so, what the mother says, yes. From other testimonies, uh, and from what everyone who was around there saw. So there are many things that they said. First, I heard, and we all heard, uh, especially through social media, that uh, she, the the security forces found her at the place where she was selling uh, peanuts and bananas with her mother. Wow. She was not even part of the protest. Is that is that? No, she. Well, no, she wasn't part of those taking rocks and and throwing. Yeah. She's just a teenager, okay, yeah. who happened to have fled because the security forces were coming. I yeah. have I have situ- I have videos of them standing in crowds. It's very scary. So yeah, yeah. Not only the... when they stand, they're scary, but when they come to you, that's even scarier. You understand? And mm-hmm. uh, when they uh, so a young a young girl just seeing that runs. Uh, hears that there are uh, there's a crowd gathering at the beach, mm-hmm. okay, for many reasons. Some say it is for fighting, others say it is it was to uh, to help those wounded, etc., etc. Just a young woman who was there, part of the crowd, and she was there with her friends. So what happened was that when the security forces came to attack them, mm-hmm. she saw her friends jump in the water. And she followed them 
because you know young people they think that maybe jumping in the water will help them escape uh, and that was probably the only door they had remember that it was it's a circled they were trapped so they only trapped. way out was the was only way the water, out was the, the ocean. ocean yeah exactly. they were trapped it was the ocean they were trapped so she runs with her friends unfortunately for her she got caught by a bullet so there are two things to this issue the presence of the bullet there first of all the population of senegal is not used to having real bullets at any manifestation so they're not used to that so once gatherings happen out of curiosity okay you know the senegalese society you know when we say for example in wolof ben uh, kumpa just yes. for that curiosity see what yeah. happens just curiosity okay just for that they will go and see uh, what's happening number one. number two, they don't expect real bullets no they don't at all they, sh- so they, sh- they sh- shouldn't like, be used right no we're not used to it senegal is not used to having real bullets at every uh, uh at, at at every strike out the population is there to express the anger to express whatever it is that's on their mind about an issue that strikes them directly or not okay uh, but never to be facing real bullets so it is very clear that in that mindset a lot of people went there to witness what was going on and fight but those who witnessed like aji she wasn't there to get killed she was there to witness so that she could easily come back and just talk to about it like all her other uh, friends mm-hmm. so she jumped in the water from her mother's version confirmed by the sister and the family around mm-hmm. she got shot the mother said that she was shot three times oh my god and that's what killed her okay and they pulled her out of the water dead wow took her she mother the mother didn't see the body but the older brother i will keep his name for now mm-hmm. went to gejawai hospital because that's where the body was taken to yes dalal jam he went to gejawai that's dalal jam is the so name of the he, hospital in the yeah. outskirt yes dalal jam is in gejawai and gejawai is in the outskirt of dakar just to make it uh, visual which is where uh, i'm from and so, actually oh exa- oh okay great then so you know the exact place where dalal jam is okay and it is taken and she was taken there uh and the brother went to see the body and it's the brother who understood what happened and saw the saw the body but the mother did not okay uh but she was told certainly by the brother that uh, aji was wounded by real bullets and she was killed you understand yeah. so that's the narrative that i got from the mother i wish i could tell you more of the narratives i heard but because the autopsy is not out yet because this is under investigation i cannot openly say everything at once i would i would rather just wait mm-hmm. for anything official to come out mm-hmm. to see if it is contrary to what i heard from the population because i have audios i have videos and all the contacts of people that i can reach out to to confirm you yes. understand yes uh and i would just do the parallel uh, but okay. for now what we understand is that the government is saying the opposite of what the family says and what the neighbors say and whoever saw ig at yeah. that moment 
So the eye, the eyewitness accounts the eyewitnesses. are different from the official very diff very, communique very different. Or, exactly. or press release of the government. Very, very different, yes. Okay. okay. So right. we are still waiting for mm -hmm. any other steps to be taken by the government to see mm -hmm. what's happening. But every uh, proof is here that Aji was not uh, killed uh, by some motor on that day, because even uh, on, in, in the witness videos that you see from other sources, you can clearly tell that there was no pirogue around in, at that moment. Uh, and it's just something that is um, very unfortunate for the family. The mother is uh, mourning her daughter. She was the one helping her out outside of school. She was helping her sell her peanuts and her bananas. Uh, they are uh, so she's just broken. And this is her second child uh, she loses. The first one has nothing to do with the strikes or nothing at all. Uh, it's the first child older than Aji uh, who died at a young age. So imagine losing a child at a young age older than Aji. And years down the line, you lose another child. No mother wants to have that in their life. And that's why she's just broken. Yeah. And I, and, and I was even very lucky to have, to, to have been able to talk to her. Very, mm -hmm. very lucky. Because after that, I think they shut down to everyone else. So we, mm -hmm. you know, we're sending our condolences to Aji's family and uh, mm -hmm. to the people of Ngora. Now, mm -hmm. just to give our listeners a context, Ngora is also a small village, but it's an, also an, an island. It's very easy to shut down the village. And that's mm -hmm. what the police did mm -hmm. for a whole day fighting mm -hmm. with the protesters who only mm -hmm. had rocks, basically. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there are videos of the police entering into people's house, people who had nothing to do with the process. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Breaking down doors, throwing mm -hmm. tear gas in people's rooms and, and houses. So that's just, mm -hmm. unfortunately, mm -hmm. we are now getting used to that kind of behavior and extreme mm -hmm. policing under mm -hmm. this current regime. But... I want to mm -hmm. come back to the agreement or mm -hmm. uh, to mm -hmm. some type of understanding that mm -hmm. the government and the inhabitants of Ngor had. When mm -hmm. the protests turned violent and they reported mm -hmm. uh, the death of Aji, Makisal called mm -hmm. an emergency meeting with the mm -hmm. dictatories of Ngor and the mayor mm -hmm. of Ngor. Mm -hmm. He told them that they will split the lot mm -hmm. in half. 3,000 mm -hmm. square meters for Ooh. the police station, which is still huge. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. <laughs> 3,000 square meters for the building of the high school. And he promised to build the high school. So the mm -hmm. mayor left the palace mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, that was a good agreement. But mm -hmm. the inhabitants of Ngor rejected the agreement is that is that true what happened there what else can you tell us about the agreement and what the people of Ngor decided you're right that's what they agreed on initially uh i'm trying to see uh when exactly i was i was standing there it was the day that i visited um uh, the the and I talked to Aji's family and met with other people other sources who could tell me uh the, what the situation was on that day in the afternoon, there was a quick gathering of people. Uh, and when I asked what this was for, because I could smell the lacrimogen, the tear gas, 
I could smell it in the air. And I was wondering because it was not supposed to be any going on because of the agreement that had been um, taken between the government and the community leaders of Ngor. So when I felt the tear gas, I was like, what's happening? And the, a, a woman with a baby next to me said, the young people are screaming that they're not agreeing with this and that it was the elder's choice, not theirs. And now they are no longer agreeing to have the space split into half, one half for the high school and one half for the gendarmerie, and that they just want it all to themselves and that the gendarmerie will not be built over there. So over a five minute period, very quickly, okay, gathering people angry, uh, people uh, starting to, uh, you know, prepare for anything. And the police or the gendarmerie, I should say, because there's a difference in Senegal. We have a station for police and a station for gendarmerie. Uh, we, they have different missions. That's why I'm speaking of gendarmerie more specifically. And uh, they were just, the security forces were just there, ready and just in a bulk. It was very scary to see them getting ready uh, to just attack or assault like they did in the past uh, few days. Young people have a different understanding of all this, and the elders too. Ngor is a traditional village, which makes us very easily understand that there is a, a social stratification mm-hmm. and a high and a big respect for elders uh, and the dignitaries of Ngor. Uh, speaking of them, are the decision making, uh, are the decision makers uh, in any situation that takes place. Except that with this generation, and we will come back to it, especially uh, at the dawn of the coming up elections, presidential mm-hmm. elections, this generation is not against having an elder, you know, as the one taking the decision. They're just not very sure that that elder or those elders will take decisions or make decisions in the benefit of their generation or the generations to come. So there is a respect that they will give to the elders. And that's what brought the government to speak directly to the elders when it came to, you know, even establishing it at the very beginning, to even uh, discussing the entire process of where the gendarmerie would take, uh, would be established, will, would be built, how, how much land they would take, all that process was discussed by the dignitaries who represent the entire population of Ngoh. But when the people understood that this was, this was not in their benefit. Now, mind you, if this, this, this happens, you will easily imagine a police or a gendarmerie station next to a high school. Can you imagine that? It's a very sensitive cohabitation when yes. we see what happened. It's in a recipe past. for uh, disaster if you know exactly, how, <laughs> exactly. how high schools and exactly. campuses if can be super happened, political. If when something, if anything happens, you could easily imagine that, that those two together so closely may not be a very good idea. And it could lead to even more disaster. So at the end of the day, on that day when I was there visiting Gogh and talking to people, the young people were not agreeing at the risk of disobeying, traditionally speaking, their elders. Mm -hmm. So here we have the elders who say something and the young people who say the opposite, which is destroying the very base of what tradition is in Goh or anywhere else in Senegal. Because now that's what we're seeing. 
the elders will say something and the young people, if it doesn't suit them, they have the power and they have the strength now and the audacity to say no. So it's a generation gap, basically. Generation gap. When we see how traditions are important in our culture, okay, in our uh, society, mm-hmm. when we see how uh, giving this the voice to the elders to speak on our behalf, when I say our, I'm speaking in the names of young people altogether. Mm-hmm. When we see all that, we realize that uh, we are now at times where when people, the younger generation, doesn't really listen to the older generation because they believe or they express it in that way that the elders are probably uh, directed by uh, politics or are motivated by politics or any other thing of their own interest rather than of the interest of the generation uh, present. You understand? And so Ngoh will say something. The elders of Ngoh will say yes to the, um, you know, to the split and uh, the young people will say no. Mm-hmm. So there is a different, there's a huge gap uh, between this generation, the strikers, and what has always been known as tradition, as to listen to the elders. Yes. And that's where the problem is now. I think what's happening is that the, <coughs> it's the young people now who say no, rather than the dignitaries who went to speak with the government. Okay. You see what I mean? Now, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you clarify that what's happening in Gore is land-related. But while mm-hmm. that was happening, mm-hmm. uh, we also received news that Usman Sonko, who is mm-hmm. the most vocal opponent to the government, was found guilty of defamation and public insult mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a case opposing him to Mambaynya, who was the former minister of tourism and a member of the leading coalition, Benno Bokuyaka. Mm-hmm. And the case emanated from uh, Mambaynya's management of what they call product, which was a a community agricultural program uh, that the government was implementing across the country to help young people get jobs in the agricultural sector. But there were reports of internal audit that found some mismanagement in the implementation of the product. It was not final. It is said that because of that alleged mismanagement, Mambenya lost his position. So far, I'm, I'm speaking of allegations. I'm going to use the term mm-hmm. allegations and alleged. But mm-hmm. what is clear is there is a civil society leader uh, mm-hmm. named Biraimsek who wrote a whole book mm-hmm. about 
how product was managed mm -hmm. and revealed that there was more than 30 billion CFA of funding that mm -hmm. was not used properly. I'm going to mm -hmm. use that term. So mm -hmm. Usman Sonko, in one of his allocations or uh, address to the people, mm -hmm. said that there was an audit of the IGE, Inspection General mm -hmm. Data. And mm -hmm. IGE is a body of the government that, mm -hmm. that investigate financial crimes. Mm -hmm. so it's one mm -hmm. of the supervisory bodies of the government to fight mm -hmm. against corruption and things like that. So mm -hmm. Sonko said that there was a report from the IGE that mm -hmm. condemned Mambeña's uh, management. Mm -hmm. But that was a mistake. It was EJF, another supervisory body, right, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. made that report instead of EJE, mm -hmm. from what we know. And mm -hmm. it is based on those arguments, EJE versus EJF, that Mambeña lodged a complaint. Mm -hmm. Now, a lower court or a first mm -hmm. verdict was given last mm -hmm. month, mm -hmm. and Sonko was found guilty of mm -hmm. defamation and was handed a two-month suspended mm -hmm. prison sentence, or mm -hmm. what we call sursis, or probation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, he was supposed to pay Mambeña uh, mm -hmm. 200 million CFA which is about, mm. you know, $300,000, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a large mm -hmm. amount of Definitely. money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Mambanya appealed the case. Mm -hmm. And it was tried again mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. last week. And mm -hmm. Sonko was handed a different verdict. This time, mm -hmm. he got six months of a suspended prison sentence. The amount of money he's supposed to pay to Mambeña did not change. Mm -hmm. But what changed is that if he doesn't pay Mambeña, mm -hmm. he will be sent to prison. But mm -hmm. also, he will likely lose his eligibility to run for the 2024 mm -hmm. presidential election. Mm -hmm. And this is per the article L29 and L30 of the electoral code of Senegal, which a lot of people, especially the opposition, uh, have been criticizing, saying that those two articles are weapons for the regime to eliminate political contenders. They've been saying that it's not new, but they knew that mm -hmm. Usman Sonko was handed a sentence that was more than three months of a suspended mm -hmm. prison sentence. It would mm -hmm. jeopardize his possibilities for him to run for the presidential election. And he's a, a serious contender. Now, when that mm -hmm. happened, of course, a protest also erupted in many parts of mm -hmm. the country, especially Dakar and Ziganshore. Mm -hmm. And people fear that, you know, that the rhetoric on both sides, meaning government and opposition, is harsh and inflammatory, despite mm -hmm. recent calls for dialogue. I just want you to come back to the current political up upheaval related mm -hmm. to the Songo cases 
but also to the idea that many people now in Senegal, many citizens have that the government is trying to purposefully eliminate Sonko from the presidential mm. race. What do you think of that? Okay. So Sonko has two major uh, trials uh, going on with him and that's uh, making, both are making his uh, steps forward to the next presidential very hard, actually putting it at jeopardy, okay? Jeopardizing uh, his eligibility. Uh, the first one uh, is Ajisa. It happened before the Sonko case, uh, or it happened before, yeah, Ajisa in 2021. But we will come back to the Ajisa uh, rape case. Uh, right now, uh, the most recent one is the libel case, like you explained it very well. Basically, what's happening with Sonko with these two cases is that if it is a, a civil matter, which is concerning pertaining to two people, right, two civilians, it doesn't have to come with all the issues around him coming out of his house to joining the court every time he's supposed to. And the reason is, when we look at Adisar and Sonko case, 14 people died. When we look at Sonko and Mambeño, 600 people are arrested just for last March. You understand? Uh, one person was shot in Ziganshaw by officers. Korkaba you know, is his name, Korkaba yes. Killed, exactly. Another young man uh, just killed like that, okay? Another one was just uh, caught and killed. People believe that he was part of the Nervi, uh, which are the um, the group of you know mercenaries just hired, yeah. so-called hired by the government so that they can fight. Yeah, it's a uh, militia group that are group. associated to people who are close to the government, and they're called Nervi. So and they armed. It's called Nervi, yes. Yes, they armed okay. and attack protests. Exactly, and they attack protests. Uh, talking about attacking protests, and just so many other people who are either arrested or beaten uh, or even hit with cars. Another one died uh, last March, hit by a car. And it's, it was a car full of those so-called nervis, okay, the militia group. Mm -hmm. So uh, Senegal goes through a lot of issues when Sonko has to come out and respond to any court case. For that reason, the population believes that this is just not a fair or aspire to be a fair and transparent trial. You see what I mean? So all mm -hmm. these facts put together just build a sort of huge gap of trust between the people and the legal system. Mm -hmm. You understand? That's one point. Another point I should, I would like to uh, raise is that uh, Senegal being known as the window of, of democracy in West Africa for a long time, uh, and, and a, a key example of democracy in Africa, and you know, any, anyone else in the world look at Senegal as one of those secure places uh, in West Africa. For that reason, we have a very strong civil society. And that even strong civil society is now being broken into pieces with those arrests. Adding to that, journalists being arrested, uh, members of the opposition party, Amnesty International, Reporter Without Borders, all those uh, organizations have clearly stated that these are arbitrary, arbitrary detentions. You understand? And other reports, even the State Department in the U.S., uh, have uh, reported that this is not um, normal or legal uh, 
detention that's been going on, some advanced torture, uh, just using or manipulating the justice system, okay? That doesn't allow anyone in this country today to say that they trust the Salo government, you understand? Another uh, point is that given the trust issue and the tradition of democracy that we've had, there's a big changes taking place right now. Senegalese people, when they fight, they go out to strike or they organize debates, TV debates, radio debate, community debate, and talk about their problems. But now more and more, Senegalese people understand that they cannot settle their disputes, you know, uh, just by talking. And that arguments are no longer enough. And that now it is the need for force and uh, social networks doesn't help in that case. Meaning that they sort of uh, create so many um, the, the violence just by writing, just by the verb, that it sort of uh, creates this sentiment of hate between the government and the people. So when we follow the social media, which, I'm, which I've been doing uh, a lot uh, since for years now, what we realize is that uh, there is a sentiment of, of anger, of hate that is taking place at the place of discussion and roundtables and debates that lead to peaceful transitions or peaceful solutions coming out mm. of debates. So now the behavior of the Senegalese person is completely distorted mm -hmm. towards the institutions. Those institutions are completely desacralized, if I can say that. They have been weakened. Okay, the very pillar of Senegal, whether it's justice system or any other ministry, is just weakened. Whenever they come out to say something, the first reaction of the population is, we don't believe you, we don't trust you. Because they've seen what's mm -hmm. happening when Sonko, who's their leader, who's their hope, I should say, leaves to go to respond to any court case. So when we talk about the, the state of Senegalese democracy, repression is equal to the absence of trust from the population. People do not believe in any uh, official or institutional pillar now in the Republic. And therefore the defense forces are uh, disturbed. Uh, and even if uh, they are indeed the defensive, I believe that uh, when actually, when they are into um, if they to responding, are cornered, they have yes. to respond. Yes, they have, when they are cornered, exactly, that's the word. When they are cornered, they have to respond. But in their response, there is now a big change. They're using real bullets over just any uh, anything else to scare away the people. And that is also at the same level of people not fearing them anymore. People don't fear the police anymore. And maybe that's why, if we look at the difference or the parallel between the response they have and the people and young people, how not afraid they are of the security forces, that's what could explain the reason why we're seeing now this escalation of violence and from the part of the FDS, which is the security forces, and the part of the population. So the non-violent way that we've always known in Senegal, okay, is no longer happening. Mm. So in the few days next week, I think, Sonko will face back a trial, uh, will face the court again 
in the case of Azizah, which is another case of, uh, you know, as a woman, it's very complicated for me to um, fully just see what happened. But when we report it, it's just very simple. It's a rape case of a salon employee in 2021, okay? With death threats, like you say. Mm-hmm. Sonko still denies it and says that, again, it's politically motivated. And uh, as the case is going on, just as the Sonko and uh, Mamma is going on, both limit me in sharing more info, if I should say, because now with this government, no one knows what's happening. You could say something the next day you're taken, just like many other colleagues, and the next moment you're finding yourself in prison. You understand? So the restriction of, of, uh, of liberty that anyone has, whether the civil society or journalists or anyone else, is clearly a threat right now. So as it is ongoing, it is uh, just best to understand that the Usman Sonko is facing two questions right now. Mambaynya, now it is Usman Sonko's turn to uh, appeal what Mambaynya uh, is claiming. Okay, which is which has taken him to a six month uh, condemnation, which mm-hmm. automatically or almost automatically gets him out of the um, elections, you know, out of the political game mm-hmm. of the next presidentials, and asking him for almost it's like a, it's like a comedy. He's asking for the same amount of money that the population is asking back. In his case of, you know, uh, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So it's yes. very complicated. It's like, it's almost as if he's, um, he's mm-hmm. mocking. He's mocking the Senegalese population. So so he being Mambayna. Mambayna you're talking yes. about, right? Yeah, Mambayna yes. is mocking because he did the appeal, the last appeal. Mm-hmm. And he's asking for the 29 billion, okay, that the government, that the population is asking him. Yes. And for which Usman Sonko had accused him of. You know, that that whole, unfortunately, it was without proof. Yes, embezzlement, you understand. So it's mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, it's a case that is clearly, clearly in the eyes of the population, in the eyes of the regular Senegalese person watching, it's a case that is clearly motivated to get Usman Sonko out of the line for the upcoming presidentials. And by next week, another trial, okay, is the death threats and raping case uh, with Adisa, which also caused 14 people to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of businesses closed. The entire country shut down. So now mm-hmm. supporters, they've just taken the streets and they keep taking the streets every time. I was watching yesterday uh, in Ziganshaw, where Usman Sonko is said to be right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. house is not even guarded by guards. Populations have come to spend the night at his door. To protect Not him. To they say money. they're there to protect yes, him because protect they fear him. for his life. They, so now what we're realizing is that Isman Sonko keeps saying we have to protect the project. We have to protect the project. But at the end of the day, what we see that the project is nothing but himself. Before you reach any endeavor to stop corruption, any endeavor to build in the on behalf of the country any endeavor to redirect relations international relations on behalf of senegal etc etc you have to protect the very person at the heart of it and that is usman sonko so now supporters sonko supporters are not even talking about 
anything else but the person of Usman Sonko and how it is necessary to protect him from mm-hmm. Senegal security forces, from Senegal, you know, uh, Benno Bokiaka and any other, including Makisal, how to protect him from their uh, plans to get him out of the political game. And uh, before we even reach Adisar to conclude on Usman Sonko and uh, Mamba case, uh, Usman Sonko's lawyers have uh, started the appeal uh, case again, mm-hmm. and they're just waiting for the next steps from the court. We understand. Yes. So that is done. Mm-hmm. Just to conclude on Mamba yeah. uh, And now upcoming again is Adisar. So if we are not done yet with the case of Ngoh, people being angry and trying to come out to express their anger. If we're not done with that yet, and Senegal is already facing by next week, Adisa, those two issues could be very fatal to the country. And that's what's happening right now. So we are not even done yet. We are still mourning Senegal, I should say. Senegal is still mourning the loss of a child. Senegal is still mourning the loss of other people who got uh, killed without being named, okay, or without finding justice uh, in the past few uh, months, Mm -hmm. okay, without talking about the injustice of not finding uh, a conclusion to what happened to the 14 people that died in 2021, all that lingering to today's case in Goh for the past few weeks and to Agisa's coming up, this is just waiting for an etincel. It's just waiting for a match to be lit and that's just what's happening. So the balance that we've always known and the fairness that we've always known in Senegal has just been changed over the past years. Mm-hmm. So Senegal is no longer the very uh, tempering country. And the democracy known. that it was known the to democracy, be. The democracy, the non-violent, the very peaceful country. Okay. Between uh, death uh, threats, rape case. Uh, uh, you know, uh, embezzlement, all these allegations towards one person, people believe that all that put together is just for one reason, and that is to get Usman Sonko out of the presidential race, mm-hmm. and getting him out of the presidential race for the young people means getting their last hope of somebody standing for their rights and standing for them and standing for the country and the future of the country on behalf of the country out of the race. That is non-negotiable, and they are. I don't know if you've heard of the Gatsa Gatsa, uh, like the sort of retaliation yes. uh, system. 
Now mm-hmm. what's happening is that before they even try to argue to find reasons why so-and-so did this, whatever happens, people say we will just go and retaliate. And that's Retaliation. what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Retaliation, we've seen it. Gatsa Gatsa is a very common saying now. People even on social media have found hashtags for that, okay? It's gatsa, just gatsa, retaliation yeah. for gatsa, gatsa, for whatever mm-hmm. happens. Now mm-hmm. people are no longer patient and waiting when something happens, okay, to Usman Sonko or to any opposition leader. Now, whatever happens, if some if Usman Sonko is attacked, they will go out and protest at the cost of everything that we've seen in death toll, in, in you know, people being arrested, in uh, just everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that mindset was never Senegalese. Senegalese is all about masla and discussion mm-hmm. and solution making, you know, processes and and even uh just sitting down and finding in a peaceful way what could be done when something arises that is no longer the case in the mindset of the young people that we have today and those young people who have witnessed 2012 as young people who have witnessed 20 uh 20 uh, 2019 uh with makisal who have witnessed uh 2021 and now 2022 they have the right to vote in 2024 Mm-hmm. And those young people don't have the mindset of negotiation whatsoever. Yeah, and that's what we see when we talk to them. That's what we perceive when we interview them, and uh, that's exactly what's going on right mm-hmm. now. And you know, you said a lot of important things, including those primo voters, people who will be voting mm-hmm. for the first time. And when you mm-hmm. listen to Senegalese, of course, that segment of the population is likely to vote for the opposition, whether Sonko or another mm-hmm. opposition candidate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. traditionally, mm-hmm. Senegal in Senegal, um, they would open the registrations to vote for six months, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this time around, they only did it for one month. One month to allow <laughs> millions of Senegalese people to register to vote. I mean, that in itself mm-hmm. is super problematic. In, in the- spite of that short period, Yes. Millions of people went to register. To register. Or if, if, I'm exaggerating the million of people, but that tells you a lot about the number of uh, uh, awakened people mm-hmm. who understand the power of the voting card, who understand the power of having to still hold a card and have the right to vote and just not sit and protest or say, say, say angry things towards the uh, Salad government. You understand? Yeah, so and now, that's that's. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. Uh-huh. No, I'm I'm just saying that that is that is really problematic. That in a democracy uh-huh. like Senegal, the government uh-huh. can do things like that. One month uh-huh. in one month, everybody that needs to register to vote cannot uh-huh. vote. But like you said, people still they want to massively. Those, yes, massively, massively, and and try and to even register. in the diaspora. Even in the diaspora. Yeah, in the diaspora, have true. Traveled miles and miles. Just to go to some registration uh, office, just so that they can card their, get their card renewed, you yes. understand, or or even get their uh, card changed, the status of from non-voters to voter, you yeah. understand. So yeah. all that put together tells you the energy that the population of Senegal and the diaspora has to mm-hmm. maintain the tradition of civil, uh, the respect of civil society, the respect of the constitution. There is no way a third term can be happening in the eyes of the Senegalese people. 
That is the exact reason why Abdullah Wad was taken out of power. And who mm-hmm. replaced Abdullah Wad? The very person right now. Maki. Whom they see, yes, Maki Sal, whom they see as the one repeating Abdullah Wad's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who also went through everything that Sonko is going through right now, except to the court cases. Even Abdullah Wad did not go that far. No. With him as only. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And that's, that, that, that's what people say. They don't understand what happened, what might have happened down the line that just made Makisala understand that he could get away with this. What happened? Yeah. What made him believe that people fought so hard for him, people died, blood was, was spilled so that he could become president? And now he's what the one spilling time? people's blood or his the government. The very same people, the very same people just do not understand what happened. And there are a lot of good things that he did. Okay. I, yes. I interviewed this, um, uh, this uh, civil society member. Uh, he works for some NGO in Kazamas, in, in Zingashaw, mm-hmm. um, for the WP review uh, story that I wrote about the political climate in Senegal recently. When I interviewed him, he said mm. that he doesn't understand what happened because Macky Sall did a lot of things to bring peace between the, uh, between the, uh, the MFDC the and rebel the group government. in Casamas. Mm-hmm. The rebel group in Casamas and and in uh, and the government. Mm-hmm. A lot has been done. As a lot has been done to sort of just uh, to alleviate or take out the fear of the population when it comes to the army. Okay, so now that somebody got killed, shot by the army, okay, and Sonko being a son of Casamas, being uh, oppressed by the government. Senegalese people in Casamance just don't understand how could that happen that would erase or which would erase all the efforts made by Macky Sall to bring back some sort of visibility to this region of the South, mm-hmm. you understand, since he got back to power. Yeah. Uh, so we just don't understand what happened. But mm-hmm. there's also another point that needs to be uh, discussed. Um, is this one-way thinking process that more and more uh, people who are called neutrals, because some people, a lot of people are neutral in this entire chaos. Quote-unquote neutral. <laughs> yes, okay. They still do not want to see, and I'm not speaking in, in my own voice here. I'm speaking from the conversations I had mm-hmm. with people and from reviewing comments from social media. Uh, and again, the power of social media in Senegal's situation is tremendous, okay? When you look at the influence uh, in the voting uh, change that we just discussed, uh, in announcing things before even media does, okay? Sometimes the social media will give out information that uh, even the media doesn't have yet, you understand? So yeah. that is some the influence of uh, social media right now in our affairs. We've seen it in other countries, et cetera, et cetera. But there is this one-way thinking process that those who call themselves neutral or in favor of the government want to put in the name of Sonko and say that those supporting him do not see anything else but him. And they do whatever he says they, uh, to do or they say whatever he says they say. So that one-way thinking could be seen as dangerous by people who have a different perspective mm-hmm. of the situation. Okay, and uh, but given the treatment of Sonko by the police, 
you know, you've seen videos of people dragging him out of his car, closing his neighborhood, uh, pepper spraying him, um, stopping his child from going to school because he was taking him. You know, all that put together, people mm -hmm. just don't think that anything positive will come out of any court trial or anything will come out of any, okay, dialogue. Yes. So, no, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Of course, we want an equal and transparent justice system. Uh -huh. Mambenya has the right to lodge a complaint, just like uh -huh. Ajisar has the right to exactly. lodge a complaint against anybody, uh -huh. including uh -huh. Sonko. But Sonko uh -huh. has the right to lodge a complaint against other uh -huh. Senegalese citizens. So far, there are uh -huh. 10 uh -huh. charges that Sonko filed against members of the government. <coughs> Um, including uh -huh. lawyers of Ajisar, including uh -huh. Mahmoud Jallo, who was accused uh -huh. of embezzling 94 uh -huh. billion CFA. And none uh -huh. of them, none whatsoever, have been uh -huh. investigated or taken to trial. But it seems like anybody can come and lodge a complaint against Sonko, and then uh -huh. the next day they will have uh -huh. a fast track trial against Sonko, uh -huh. which which in in you know eyes in the eyes of the observers, intelligent observers, that's uh -huh. something not ordinary. Will make people think that, well, these people are trying to do something else. Why? Anytime anybody comes and says Sonko did uh -huh. this or that, they will, you know, take the <laughs> the case uh -huh. and, and and try it like really quickly. It will go through the lower court, the court of appeal, and the uh -huh. Supreme Court. And of course uh -huh. Sonko never uh -huh. wins so far, has not won any case against him in the Court uh -huh. of Appeal or the Supreme uh -huh. Court. And the other thing is, uh -huh. seems like the justice system is weaponized. Uh -huh. Because now, for the same uh -huh. offenses or same crime, we will have uh -huh. two different outcomes, uh -huh. depending on where you belong standard. Uh -huh. in uh -huh. the political spectrum. If you were opposition uh -huh. or fighting the regime, you will get uh -huh. a prison sentence. Uh -huh. You were talking about how in March, uh -huh. 700 people, most of them protesters, peaceful protesters, uh -huh. were imprisoned. Currently, there are uh -huh. more than 300 members of PASTEF, uh -huh. which is Usman Sonko's political uh -huh. party, in prison, including Basiru Jamai Fai. And if you're not in prison, many people who are not in prison are in some type of house arrest or being electronically monitored with those bracelets. So we're not talking about even the journalist, Pap Njai from Walfajri, still in prison. Nit Duff, hip hop artist in prison. We are not even accounting for Usas Asansek last week uh -huh. recently you know, yeah yes uh -huh. Uh -huh. who said uh -huh. something that a member of the regime said same thing similar thing uh -huh. but he gets a prison sentence uh -huh. and that uh -huh. other person gets to walk free we all know and uh -huh. heard what ahmed uh -huh. suzanne kamara said calling for people to uh -huh. set sonko's house on fire and uh -huh. kill opposition leaders and their supporters uh -huh. And he's walking free. Aliu Demburuso, an MP, a member of parliament who belongs to the, the ruling coalition, said a similar thing. Uh -huh. Calling for, I mean, uh -huh. 
the arguments have even gone ethnic, unfortunately, calling for members of his ethnic groups to get their uh, machetes and and uh -huh. get ready to fight for Makisal, even killing uh -huh. people. He gets to walk free, uh -huh. right? So uh -huh. you have a what in Senegal we call, or in French, injustice uh -huh. à deux vitesses, a double standard uh -huh. in the judicial system. So the judicial okay. system is not working. And that doesn't mean that 100% of the people who are uh -huh. in the judicial system are corrupt or working for uh -huh. the benefit of Maki. But there is a uh -huh. certainly a handful of them who are playing uh -huh. dirty roles, excuse my language. And uh -huh. Uh -huh. unfortunately, what they are doing might or will uh -huh. or has already thrust the country uh -huh. into a social political upheaval and people have to be super careful nobody should be above the law including the president and his allies but you cannot apply justice just only for opposition leaders right and unfortunately that's what's currently happening in in senegal people's uh, digital footprints are being monitored everybody is monitored on facebook on WhatsApp, uh -huh. and uh -huh. you know, I mean, I, I might even get arrested if I go to Senegal right now for this podcast. I mean, I'm serious. I told some <laughs> exactly. people that that's hey, what I was saying. Exactly. That's why yeah, no, I fear for my for my for myself. I told some people, hey, if you hear that yeah. I get arrested, don't be surprised. Here are the people you need to contact because nobody is safe yeah. no more. Whether you were a journalist, whether you were a uh -huh. podcaster, whether you were a foreigner, uh -huh. Uh -huh. nobody is uh -huh. safe with this government uh -huh. so um uh -huh. but then let's you know one last question and then uh we can we, we can conclude i think there, there's so much to say to talk about, about. yeah uh -huh. All right, folks, uh, that was the first segment of my conversation with Bursatal. So tune in for part two of the interview, which will be uploaded uh, in a couple of days. And while I was editing this podcast, a major development happened uh, in Senegal. Uh, protests erupted all over the country or in many parts of the country, especially in Dakar and uh, Ziegenshore, where Usman Sonko is the mayor. And there were reports of a life lost in the ranks of the, the police and also several injured among the protesters in Ziegenshore. We will keep you in informed as the situation develops. In the meantime, stay safe and healthy, and I will get back uh, with you soon with chapter two of the conversation 
with Boursetal.